are back. Hello and welcome to the Greenville Smart Podcast, um, episode 61, I believe it is. We're getting these things rolling again. We uh, had Jess Adam in here last week, and um, so we wanted to keep the momentum going and get back into it. Before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors, Entertech Global, for your geothermal needs. Those are the folks that you contact, Entertech Global. And Bradford National Bank. Bradford National Bank is the bank that reinvests back into the communities that they serve, Greenville Highland and Marine. And of course, you can find them online, bradfordbank.com. I want to thank Greenville University and the Greenville Smart Center, of course. This is the Greenville Smart Podcast. And of course, the Greenville Chamber of Commerce. Few few events coming up that I wanted to mention before we get into our podcast today. Uh, coming up uh, tonight, actually, if we uh, get this out today, that is, uh, we're welcoming officially welcoming Spruce Craft and Collective on Second Street uh, with a business after hours and a ribbon cutting that's happening from five to seven this evening. On uh, today is April seventh, and coming up soon, April nineteenth is our next Bond County uh, Network luncheon. And all are welcome to attend that luncheon, RSVP, through the uh, Facebook page for Greenville Smart. And we've got a Turley event happening on that same evening, April 19th. We are honoring Randy Alderman, the uh, 29th recipient of the Turley Award, which is a big deal in Greenville. So uh, more information on that can be found at the Greenville uh, ILChamber.org website. And coming up on April 26th at 7.30 a.m., third floor of the Smart Center, we'll have a new Faces event and a state of the city. You'll get to meet our new city manager, Joanne Hollenkamp, and we're bringing back Bill Walker. Bill Walker is back in the position that he um, had a few years back as our economic developer, so our economic development coordinator. I think that's the proper, proper, proper title for that. All right, now that we took care of a little housekeeping there, I would like to welcome our guest today. Special guests today are Tony Randall and Patrick Miller from the Bond County Recovery Council. Welcome. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. Thank yeah. you, Elaine. Thank you. And I wanted to have you on the podcast. Now, Patrick's kind of a veteran because he's been here before with the uh, Core Community Council. And uh, I, both of you spoke recently at one of our Bond County Network luncheons, and um, people were really... They were really interested in what you had to say and to know that there is a group out there that like the Recovery Council when people need resources. Now, explain to our audience what exactly is the Bond County Recovery Council? Well, um, the Bond County Recovery Council is funded through a ROSC grant, which stands for Recovery Oriented Systems of Care um, through the state of Illinois. They started with those grants in 2018 and each year more counties in the state have gotten those grants we were actually funded in 2021 so we just finished our first year as the bond county recovery council which is very exciting Um, and our job basically is to bring people together when people are in recovery or people who provide resources for recovery systems within the community often don't know about other things that exist. So we make connections so that different groups, different organizations um, know about each other. We provide some prevention services through the school for substance use disorder. 
we support those in recovery. Part of the group that we form involves people with lived experience, people who've been there, done that, because their voice is extremely important on our council. We believe that there are many paths to recovery, and we support all of them. It doesn't look the same for every single person. So what your route is to recovery is, you know, we support that, whatever it is. And I bet you're really finding that. We talked about this at the luncheon, too, that addiction doesn't just target basically one demographic. Everyone's everyone's vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. I would say we see, you know, in this work, you know, we, we encounter people across the spectrum of diversity and gender and um you know, economic status. And though in some ways I, I see overlap with my work with the um, core communities, we work with people in poverty. Um, I certainly encounter people in this work that, that, that cut across all segments of our community. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're finding more and more. And I think uh, we're, it's becoming, and, and, and thanks to groups like yours, it's, we're becoming more aware of that because, well, in trying to help people, you have to kind of peel back the layers and um, get people to say, you know, hey, this is me, I have this problem and this struggle, and to not be ashamed. I know that's one of your key uh, messages. Absolutely. We um, currently are working on some stigma, anti-stigma promotions throughout the county because fear of people knowing about that you're struggling keeps people from getting help. Stigma keeps people sick. Right. And um, we need to understand that, you know, this is a mental health issue. Substances change the way a person's brain works and it has to be treated as the disease that it is. And people need help and people need to get healthy. And we don't we can't criticize people for you know, being a substance use disorder person. And as Patrick said, you know, this affects so many people and so many more people than any of us realize. Oh, I agree. I mean, I've had conversations one-on-one with a lot of people in this community who will tell me their story, how they have been impacted or a family member has been impacted, but it's, you know, they will ask, that's a conversation between you and me. Please don't be repeating that because they don't want the community to know. Um, And we believe that recovery is something that you should stand up and celebrate and be proud of. Right. I think the more examples of recovery that you have, too, you're showing people that feel desperate that, hey, there's a way out. You know, know, look at this person. They're, They're a lot like me. And then, you know. Exactly. More people recovery. More people recover because of others who've recovered you know when you're in the deepest darkest parts of addiction you feel hopeless Mm -hmm. you feel like there is no other way i am stuck here i will never get out and really you know i can tell you that you can and i can have great hope for you but i haven't been there in your position if you you know, are in contact or communicate or spend time with someone who has been there and you can see, you know, they did it. I can do it too. It can make all of the difference in the world. And and don't you find that they're more likely to listen to someone who's been where they are? Well, of course they are. Yeah. You know, I've been told by people struggling, you know, I would rather talk to somebody who's been in the darkest, darkest, deepest place 
than someone with a PhD and studied everything out of a book. Right. Because it doesn't matter how much you study, there's no way to understand how, how you, a person feels. Right. Yeah, so it's really important. I think that's um, great. And so do you, so you're, you're connecting people who've been there and you're connecting people that are going through it. And another thing that you do that's really important, and I know you know this firsthand, is, you know, the, the people that love those people with the addiction issues and they also feel helpless and you've got a group that connects with them and i know that um is it the um oh i'm gonna get it wrong it's the family network right we have a family support network right and it is we do some work it's another group and uh the Biden county recovery council supports them and then they provide ser- uh, services back to us um, there's a hotline that you can call that is, it is staffed by people who have been there, just yeah, like you. Perfect. It is, the line is designed for anybody over the age of 18, so it doesn't just have to be a family member. It can be a friend, um, even a teacher, a loved one, someone who cares about someone who's struggling. And um, the staffing, like I said, is people who've been there, done that. They are family members who have gone through things that you have gone through. They are not counselors. You will not get get counseling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But they do have referrals to lots of things that you might need. And they are an ear to listen and tell you what worked for them and what didn't work and share. And then we also have a parent support group that really is also for anybody over 18. They call it It's Pals, which is a national company. But the group is run out of Clinton County and they do do virtual meetings right now. Craig Lodicky is the one who runs that meeting and his email address is Craig Lodicky. Lodicky is L-O-D-D-E-K-E at yahoo.com. You can reach out to him and get the link to that. Um, they meet once a week on Tuesdays from 7 to 8.30 and it's all a group of people who like-minded who've been there who struggle every day because the struggle is real for right. people to to love someone and watch them on that path is painful right right and again there's the same thing with you have to remove the stigma to and, and a lot of people a lot of parents a lot of spouses are again they feel that they're ashamed to say anything because you know, it's the same thing. They don't want their child or their partner or their parent to be, you know, just categorized as this hopeless case mm-hmm. and this somebody you want to stay away from. Um, so that's a great resource for people that, you know, they might not know is out there, but it is out there. there and it people. is really great that the meeting is virtual oh, because great. like you said, there's a lot of times... Uh, Family members wouldn't go to a meeting because right. my card be seen at this meeting or, you know, someone might recognize me there. Sure. And I don't want anybody to know that a family member of mine is struggling. Yeah. Um, and so the virtual group does take some of that, you know, anonymity and and makes it a little bit easier to attend also. So you've got the meetings, you've got the people that you connect. I know you have other resources as well because you um, had brought in the Narcam to us at the meeting um and can you explain how that works and and what it is because a lot of people don't know absolutely um narcan is an opioid reversal drug one of the biggest things that people need to know about narcan is it is not dangerous 
if it's not an opioid overdose. People say, well, how do I know for sure that that is? I don't know if I should give them Narcan or not. Meaning if a person had a heart attack and you think it could be an overdose, you're not going to hurt them by giving them Narcan. It, it, it has no effect on someone unless it's the reversal of opioids, but it is saving a lot of lives. Um, we do have a number that you can call and receive free Narcan, and that is 618-512-1781, or you can always reach out to me or Patrick through the Bond County Recovery Council. We have plenty of Narcan also. There's no charge for it, and we're trying to get it in every place in Bond County that could use it sure. you know as far as law enforcement we're helping them make sure that they have stuff we're helping to make sure that individuals carry it um i had somebody ask me they're like well i don't i don't know anybody so why would i need to carry narcan and i said anybody who uses a public restroom should carry narcan because there are so many overdoses that actually happen in public restrooms and if i were in a public restroom and i saw this happen to someone you know, emergency services can take a bit. Right. And if I have that bottle of Narcan in my, in my purse and it is a nasal spray, it's as simple as, as just squirting it. It's not complicated. You can't hurt yourself. You can't hurt anybody else, but you can save lives. And so being able to provide that Narcan is a really big, big thing. Right. You told us about that. And I thought, I never thought about that before. And that's just it. You don't think about it until it happens. And you, it's just better to be prepared. And I mean, I can't imagine the feeling that I would have if I were standing there and I, I actually had to watch someone pass away. Yeah. Because I didn't have it, you know. Right. And Tony Randall told me I could. So to get that. Again, you can call you guys, uh, or you can call for free Narcan, 618-512-1781, and we'll put this up with the post as well. So you've got the resources, you've got uh, the connection with people. Now, okay, we talked about the um, meetings for for the family members and friends. Um, are there, do you, do you lead people, the, uh, people with suffering with the addiction themselves? Uh, do, you, do you recommend they go to like local AA meetings? Or is it... Uh, we recommend that they go wherever they find their best fit. Wherever there's an addiction. And sometimes you have to try several different things sure. before you find what fits with you. An app, I always recommend that you put the app on your phone. There's an NA app and an AA app. They work amazing because you can put in the day of the week and it will tell you every single meeting within a 50 mile radius of where you are standing and what time that meeting is that day. My son used to use it a lot because, you know, it would be one morning he'd be like, I need a meeting. And so he, you yeah. could click on Monday morning where are their meetings and, and go anywhere. So there's both one for the AA and NA. I highly recommend those. We do have a Celebrate Recovery meeting here. I'll let Patrick tell you a little bit about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Celebrate Recovery uh, is a, is a broad-based 12-step program uh, with a little bit of a Christian influence. Um, it meets Thursday nights at the Free Methodist Church uh, from 530 to 8. Um, and again, it's for any anything that you don't have control over. And so that could be for many people there, it's substances. For, uh, for people like me, it's struggling with food. For other people, it's um, it could be mental health uh, challenges. It's just a group that's kind of broad-based. If there's a hurt habit or hang-up that you can't get past, uh, it's, it's a great and welcoming group. And that, that's both for men and women. Um, you know, another great resource in our community that many people know about is Lost and Found. Uh, they offer some uh, recovery groups. 
uh, as well. Um, and, um, you know, there are also are, uh, you know, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous groups, AA groups in the county that we're aware of, uh, other unaffiliated groups that gather. And so that's one thing that's been fun to see is helping to coordinate a list of what are the you know, resources in the county and then what's what if it's not in the county, what's the closest resource? And that's where the app becomes really helpful. Uh, but also just knowing, okay, what is in Madison County? What's in Clinton County? Um, and then how do we uh, help coordinate, you know, service for people to get to those meetings if they need to get to a meeting? Yeah, that's great. And I mean, so there's there's probably something out there for everyone. They just have to know where to find the connection and where the meeting's going to be. That app sounds, that's phenomenal. Again, I didn't know that, you know, that they had that. And um, yeah, so it's good information to get out there to everyone. Well, and that's that's what I said about making those connections mm-hmm. and making people aware because Celebrate Recovery is a wonderful program that they're doing at the Free Methodist Church. But, you know, everybody needs to know also that Lost and Bound, because Celebrate Recovery is one night a week. Right. Is, you know, that's that right. enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Another thing about Lost and Found is they do sober bars. I've had many conversations and people have said, you know what would be great if we had sober bars? That would be so awesome. And I said, but they are. And you didn't know. So I want to give a big shout out to the sober bars that Lost and Found has. They have them on Friday nights, Sunday nights, and then a lot of times in the evenings after their meetings. They've got a really great uh, place. They've got a pool table um, and an actual bar where you could get sodas and water tables. Um, when the weather's nice, they open up the big garage doors and it's kind of an indoor outdoor feeling. And it, it is just a really warm, inviting environment. I would invite anybody um, to Lost and Found. I think I do know what group you're talking about now. When you started talking, I'm like, oh, I do know of Lost and Found. Yeah, they are a great group because I've heard from some other people. Fun group of people. You don't have to, like you said, a sober bar can be a lot of fun. A lot of times it's just the people you're with and you know a lot of fun a lot of fun why can't that be fun recovery can be fun exactly (laughs) you know that's just you know it it doesn't have to fun does not have to revolve around substances it It doesn't and sometimes i think especially growing up and maybe it's just i don't it probably doesn't matter where you grew up but you're led to believe in a cult in a certain culture that in order to have fun you have to have substances to Mm -hmm. uh, to facilitate and um, I think sometimes that just comes from people needing or thinking that they need that boost because of self-consciousness, uh, shyness, or they feel isolated. But um, I think the key here is connection. Absolutely. Connection. And I think, yeah, with anything, the more people you connect with, especially through these organizations, I think the stronger you're going to be when it comes to resisting and it comes to healing. Oh, and I do have one other meeting that's a fairly new one that we're doing here in Bond County. Um, Amber Nichols is a peer recovery coach who is working here in Bond County. Um, She also works in Clinton County, um, supporting those in recovery. And we're really excited to announce that she's going to be actually in town one solid day a week, starting very soon. And I think it's going to be Mondays. She's going to have an office out at Prairie Counseling, but she will be out in the community meeting with people. And she has started a medication-assisted recovery anonymous meeting. And they meet on Wednesdays at noon at Expressions. Um, And then they also do it virtually. So you can join virtually or in person on that one. 
and what in it everyone is welcome you don't have to be on medically assisted treatment in order to attend that one but it is a welcoming environment for someone who um, maybe doesn't feel welcome someplace else because they're doing medically assisted recovery well, that's great to know that's another great resource and it's just it, it's good for people especially in our area to know that these things are out there and that there is help and there is hope because I know that the problem is big. It's big where we are. And from what I understand, even over the last year nationwide, the problem has gotten worse. Tremendously worse. We lost in 2019. I lost my son that year. And so that year always stands out. We lost over 72,000 people in the United States to overdose. Um, the following year in 2020, we lost over 90,000. And in 2021, the numbers are over 100,000 people. 100,000 people in the United States died from an accidental overdose during the year. It comes out to, I believe, a person every five minutes in the United States dies. I think that's what I saw. I was watching something last night about that very thing, and that's what they're saying. Um, they took, There's this photograph that always, you know, is very impactful to me. It's a picture of the Texans stadium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, it holds approximately 70,000 people in the tech, if they're full. And you take a look at that and that's how many people died in 2019. And it's very impactful to see that. And I, and I think that um, it doesn't get enough exposure. No. People don't know. They don't know how bad the problem is. They don't. are really and looking for I, I think in rural communities like ours, we are under the false illusion that this is a urban problem. Right. And I think that my generation, when we were growing up, it was an urban problem. Right. But no longer uh, with technology and social media apps, um, these things are in the smallest of rural communities, and sometimes they're even worse in rural communities. Now, we've seen some small towns just basically disintegrate, and a lot of that has to do with drug addiction. Yes. And you don't think about that. If you drive around, um, especially around this part of the state, uh, took a road trip and was just looking at some of the small towns, and then you ask questions, and you find out that one of the key reasons that that town has died is because of the drug problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's becoming a problem with people finding employees and people on the other side finding work. You know, it's just. And that goes back to stigma often, too. Well, that is, you know, um, it's hard to be honest. Right. Can you imagine going in for a job interview and telling the person interviewing you? Well, um, I was once a heroin addict. I know. But and I've been in recovery for six months and I'm really proud of that. Um, and, and they should be proud of that. They should be proud of that. And they should be able to say that. Right. And it should actually mean that this person is awesome. You should, yeah. you, know, you should see this as a positive, but how many employers would hear? I know. That? I think there, there need, maybe there needs to be, and I think this is part of what you, you uh, put out there too, some retraining of employers when it comes to that, because not only does that show honesty, Mm-hmm. But it shows that they really do work hard. And I mean, I personally haven't had that problem, but known, have known people that have had that problem, as have you. And to overcome something like that. It's big. Uh, yeah, it's huge. The amount of work that a person puts into that 
is amazing. When I meet someone who is in recovery, whether they are in recovery for one hour or 30 years, I'm excited for them. You know, it's one minute at a time sometimes. And sometimes it's just, you know, just saying it out loud and taking that step. And it's with anything, you know. Mm -hmm. We see on social media, people will post, hey, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to give up whatever. And it could be cigarettes. It could be, I don't know, whatever. Something minor. But it helps them to do it because they're putting it out there. And it's the same with, I think, drug addiction. Well, there you go. That's a perfect example. Uh, you know, I might put on Facebook, look at me. I'm going on this <laughs> diet and I'm going to start exercising. And everybody would give me all these encouraging right. words. Or I decided I'm going to quit smoking and everybody be giving me advice and encouragement. <laughs> Imagine I'm an IV heroin user and I want to stop <laughs> exactly. on Facebook. What I, kind of? <laughs> I know, but you know what? They should be able to do that. Exactly. But you, know, you know, people would read that and they're like, whoa. Oh, whoa. But I think, you know, with what you're doing, maybe that'll encourage more people to to take that that's a brave thing to do it is and if, if we can all you know get you know give them the applause and the pat on the back i mean it's mm. going to save lives it's going to change our culture and it has to be from people more normal speaking of applause yeah <laughs> i have no idea what this is going <laughs> we are um in the works with something oh um we're hoping that this is going to fall in September. We don't have an exact date yet. We have a lot of work and a lot of people to talk to yet, but mm-hmm. this is a great way to p- for us to put it out there to start sure. out with. We are planning to throw a big party here cool. in Greenville to celebrate the people who are in recovery. We do not have a name for our event yet, <laughs> but um, Lost and Found is um, going to take the lead on it, and the Bond County Recovery Council is going to be in there. Um, our hope is to have food trucks and live band, maybe bounce houses for kids, yeah. a whole good time and celebrate those in our community and outside communities who are in recovery because they need to be celebrated. They do. They, I mean, you know, when someone recovers for, from, say, cancer at the Sightman Center and they go ring the bell and we put it on Facebook and we all clap and we cheer and yeah. we're so happy for that person. When's the last time we said, you're in recovery and I want to cheer and ring a bell and celebrate you? Right. And so um, our plans are coming up this fall. We want to celebrate those people That's in the biggest way we can. <laughs> That's fantastic. And, I, you know, we have to. I think you're, you guys are trying to change the stigma and, or take away the stigma, change the culture. Yes. Um, it takes small steps to get started, of course. It does. But what if this becomes like the center for, for that big step, for that big change? As I look back on my 44 years and how we talk differently in the last 15 years about mental health. Right. You know, uh, I, you know, I had friends whose parents dealt with mental illness in high school and that would never have come up. I knew that because I was a close friend. And even now it's not something that's discussed, you know, but now I, you know, I was with my kids with the, the, the language they use in talking about self-care, the way they talk about mental health, the way they take mental health days, you know, and things like that with our schools. You, know, you see that shift in culture, that shift in stigma. I think of cancer, talking to my grandparents about cancer. You just didn't talk about cancer. And now we have walks and it's a very public thing. People celebrate that so highly. You know, so in some ways you can feel like, wow, how would that ever change that people would right. feel differently about this? But we've seen that 
on a number of topics in our lifetime, and we can see the value of that in so many ways. Yeah, I think you're right. It's 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 already changing, and and that is a good thing. And I, you know, a lot of the the problems that we see um, on the news every day, just our local problems, it you know it does. It stems back to mental health. It does. Um, it, there's a lot of things that have have evolved and changed in our lifetimes that have been. Um, you know, with with every great thing, there there are negatives uh, attached to those as well. Like you're talking about the, uh, we used to be almost shielded in the in rural communities. I grew up in a small town as well, and you did you felt you were more safe from from heavy drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, with uh, the world becoming more connected, we became connected to some pretty evil things as well. Um, but we can maybe turn that connection around and maybe, you know, turn it back to good where we need it. Absolutely. And, you know, a big piece of it is education and awareness and really understanding. Um, We've tried a lot to um, influence the younger population. Right. Um, 90% of substance use disorders start with first use between the ages of 12 and 17. So if you think about that, How do we curtail, how do we slow down the growing problem of substance use disorder? It seems very clear that population from 12 to 17 is where it begins. Because of the development of the brain, the brain is not fully developed until you are 25 years old. So even if it's as simple as delayed use until you're 25, you are so much more less likely to become addicted to a drug or to alcohol if you never use until the age of 25 so even if it's not even the message don't ever do these things just don't do them until your brain is fully developed right it it's you know it's it's something to at least get that out there and if you just hold off and then then you tackle it again so they get closer and it's so important for parents to have those conversations with their kiddos with their teenagers it, it has to be had. Right. I've heard parents or educators say that they, you know, they don't bring up these terms and these words and use them in conversations with their kids because it will just make their kids curious and mm. then they'll want more information and want to try things. And it is a proven fact that that is not true. Right. That educating kids about things improves their likelihood to not try substances and one of the other really important things that parents can do is not just have the conversation about the drugs but actually role play what will you say right because if you believe that your adolescent or teenager is not going to be offered drugs Mm. you are very confused (laughs) you were wrong yeah they will be at some point offered drugs and alcohol um so the question being what are you going to say when that happens yeah. Not just don't do it, but what are you going to yeah. say? How are you going to keep yourself from falling into that? Yeah. And what, you know, what? Are, blame it on me if you want. My mom would murder me. Sure. <laughs> do, but have a plan in place yeah. so that you're not scrambling to try and figure it out. Now, is that something too that you help parents out with is um, kind of give them some, well, resources on that or advice on that? Well, we haven't yet. Um, We haven't had any great interaction with parent groups Mm -hmm. yet, but it is something that is in our strategic plan. One of the things that we have that 
Um, we don't know how it looks yet. Right. You know, even if it was something like through high school freshman orientation or somewhere along the line it, that we were able to just share some some things with parents. I think hearing some of the personal stories, like, I, I don't know if you want to share your story, um, but even hearing your story, I think is very powerful. And um, maybe that's what parents need to hear. Well, and I, I, I do share my story of my son, Elijah. Um, because he at the time I thought that this was the rarest thing I'd ever seen because I had no family members who'd ever struggled struggled with substance use disorder I didn't know really that much about it I didn't know how it affected the brain um but Elijah Elijah was introduced at 12 years old um and how that played out until he passed away when he was 21 you know going years with no use in there right um, but then watching things fall apart again, um, and knowing now what kind of impact that 12 year old use of alcohol and marijuana had on him in the future. Um, and I have shared my story of, or I should, it's not my story. It's Elijah's story. Right. I, I have shared Elijah's story with, um, many of the schools here and outside the area, actually. Um, I was invited down to Marion, and I did a presentation down there, and I was over near Champaign-Urbana and did a presentation once, and just told Eli's story, and I'm willing to tell his story over and over and over again to anybody who wants to listen, because he is like, in my mind, he's the poster child for it can happen to anybody. Right. <laughs> I know. Um, he, you know, he was your average country boy who loved fishing and hunting and playing football and his boots and you know he looked just like your kid mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> he looked like your kid um and he was happy he was the guy everybody liked he was a magnet um he had the funniest personality he was always on the go he was also a daredevil uh who you know his friends always said, never say, I bet you can't, because you can guarantee Elijah Randall would. Yeah. Uh. Um, but so he was always fun to be around and everybody loved him. Um, and yet this still happened to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, that's just it. He had big family, loving family, loving friends. And that tells you right there. Yeah, it can happen to anyone. It can um, so, yeah, if anybody's interested in hearing, I'm I'm more than happy to share his story anytime. Yeah. Well, it's, I, I always um, am amazed um, to hear you talk about your struggles. I think that's it's very important. I think it shows some strength in you. And I think that's what led you to do to this mission, no doubt. Oh, absolutely. Um, as far as Elijah goes, he always wanted to be the one who helped others. He never quit saying, you know, someday I'm going to heal someday. I will be better. And when I am, I will, my story is going to change somebody else's life. And it, so it was really supposed to be him doing this work here. Right. You know, he would have been great in this position as for what I do. He would have been so much better than me, but big kudos to him because I always say he made me a better person right. just for knowing him. Right. Yep, you can see it, and and you're doing great work, and um, people just need to know that those resources are out there, and uh, yeah, thanks for sharing 
your story and thanks for sharing those resources with all of us. Um, Patrick, you want to add anything else to this? Patrick's trying to save his voice. We're, we're losing Patrick's voice here, but yeah, no, I, I think if I, you know, if I would share anything else, it's just that um, this is a generous community. I've seen that in a variety mm-hmm. of roles I've held in this community, and I think in many ways I like that we can equip people with the knowledge, with the scripts, with the language, with the um, access points for people individually to find their way to be a part of this. Because I think you know people become afraid because they don't know what to say. It reminds me of right. grief when people are you know someone dies and you're going through grief with somebody you don't know what to say. But if you have some ideas of, oh, here, here's how I can talk about this, or here's how I personally can talk about this, you know, when it comes to you know, substance use disorder and these topics, then it lets people have access from, from who they are to engage in some way. And I think that's part of what's been really exciting about this work. And, uh, you know, I think the best way for people to, you know, our, our, our key contact point, you know, in our community has been uh, our Facebook page. You know, that's been our best way to get a hold of us and see what we're doing. You know, we'll continue to expand out on other social medias and things. But, yeah, you know, if you if you're searching for Bond County Recovery Council, we're the only one that comes up on Facebook, and yeah, definitely, you know, you can watch us and follow us and see what we're what we're about and see what events we're up to. So, yeah, that's a great way to keep in touch with them. And also, that reminded me on our Facebook page, we recently posted a little short video. I think it's seven or eight minutes that I am gonna plug again. Every single parent should sit down with their child and watch this video. It's about the dangers of fentanyl. It's things that kids need to know and parents need to know. And it even comes with a little sheet that has a couple of questions that you can discuss with your teenager after you watch it together. Um, It could save their life. That's perfect. That's good to know. Look for that, folks. Find them, uh, Bond County Recovery Council on Facebook. Um, we're going to post some phone numbers um, and information with this podcast uh, posting. And I really do appreciate uh, all the work that you do. Um, not only do you, I know you said you made you a better person, but by doing this, both of you are making all of us better people and a better community. And um, thank you <laughs> so much for we letting We need it. So thank you so much for having us, Elaine. Um, We really appreciate it. Thank you. Really good to be here with you today. Thank you.